You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Um, a few more leaves on the tree in this pick than probably right now, Tim, but it looks like it's going to be, what, partly cloudy to clear today, a little chilly, but no snow in the forecast, right? Yeah, it's been a pretty mild winter so far. Um of course, as soon as I say that, I'm sure we'll get six feet of snow here in the near future. So, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it, I'm loving it right now. It's beautiful, beautiful morning to talk ball. How you doing, Clayton? No, I'm doing great, man. I'll tell you, it was uh, it was a fun day yesterday. Watching football all day long, stress free, um, enjoying working social media and just kind of putting some tweets out there, following along. Obviously, the Pat Mahomes story absolutely blew up. Um, you know, it's just it's such a weird way to respond, especially from someone who's gotten so many calls throughout his young career to just all of a sudden try to pin it on, you know, I, I, I still can't wrap my mind around. I, actually, you know what? I didn't even plan on doing this. We're going off cuff right off the bat. People are going to go, we're not talking Packers. Just calm down for a second. I want you guys to hear what, what I seen here. Like this is, I shared this on Twitter, right? This video, let me get it pulled up here. I apologize if something inappropriate pops up. You never know what these knuckleheads are going to put up on my timeline. But um, So during his press conference, I want you guys to hear how he responded to this. It was really strange to me. It's 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 like he's acknowledging it was a penalty, but doesn't think it should get called. Check this out. This is really weird. So make sure that uh that you guys can hear this, Tim. I'm gonna go ahead and share it. You got this right. We'll go full screen. Let's just check it out real quick. It, it, like I said, it's about a minute and a half long. Let's see what he had to say here. Um, I mean, not, not only for for also close your eyes and pretend it's Kermit. I mean, it's hard not to do. Me, but just for football in general, I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that, and who knows if we win. But as I know, as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game, and that's why last week 
I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. And so, I mean, I it's, didn't didn't say anything about the flag on Marquez. You also didn't say anything about us getting penalized for hitting you in bounds after you tried to stretch the sideline there, Hosscat. But anyway, I mean they're human, man. They make mistakes. But I mean, I'm, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something, and all I can do is. Uh oh, we're spinning out there and give everything I have, and I'm proud of the guys. That's what we did, and it was a great football game that ended. Another great football game that just ended like that. It's just tough, tough to swallow. Patrick, what, what do you lack of better term? What made you boil over? Was it that itself, or was it the? the it's, it's, it's 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 the call, man. Just in that moment, I mean, it's it's not even for my, myself or for me. It's just I know how much everybody puts into this game, and for it to to happen on a flag change outcome of a game. Um, in that moment, I mean, I, I've played seven years, never had that, never had offense all sides called. I mean, that's the, we, that's elementary school. We, we talk about, I mean, you point to the ref, do all that different type of stuff and, and it doesn't get called. And if it does, do you, they warn you and there was no warning throughout the entire game. Um, and then you wait till there's a minute left in the game to make a call like that. Um, it's just tough, man. It, it, I mean, it's lost words, man. It's just. It's tough because regardless if we want to lose, man, just just for the, the end up with another game and we're talking about the refs, man. It's just not what we want for any for the NFL and for football. That's the guy talking about the refs. Relax, Darlene. Just relax. <laughs> Bro, you don't talk about your left tackle false starting on ninety-five percent of your snaps and never getting that never gets called. You know, I just whatever. The guy complains about the refs and then says, Well, we're talking we're talking about the refs. It's like I wish I could zoom in further, but you can clearly see his foot. Yeah, he's listen, guys. The the to put this into context, the receiver on the very top of the screen, he is legal. Notice how his helmet is just behind the ball. You have to be not just clear of the line, but you've got to be clear of the ball. You've got to be completely behind the ball. The only person who's allowed to be in front of the ball, any part of him, is the center. So he is like. I mean, he he's a good – you can see he's a yard in front of where the other receiver is. So some people see the toe and they go, oh, well, it's just like three inches. No, he's a full yard. What's funny top. is if you're just looking at this freeze frame, it should have been offsetting penalties and they should have replayed the down because exactly. Vaughn, Mill Vaughn Miller's head's in the neutral zone too. Yep, absolutely. So you'd have more of a legit argument about that saying, hey, you know, it would have been offsetting. We would have replayed the down. And, you know, so either way, that, that Kelsey play is not going to – not going to stand. And, you know, Mahomes is right about that. I mean, that was a heads-up play. First of all, you're not going to tell me that was scripted. That was not planned. The the Travis Kelsey cross-field, you know, 20-yard lateral across the field was not. That was a in-the-moment heads-up play by, by Kelsey. But, yeah, it was negated by a penalty. And it's like, excuse me if I don't shed any tears that Patrick Mahomes is slowly – be, not becoming the NFL poster boy anymore. And he's not getting, you know, all these calls. I thought originally, Clayton, he was upset about the last play of the game, the play after that. Right, right. Yeah. You know, when he took a, a shot there after he threw a, threw a pass, I thought that's what he was crying the about. Is he was looking for a penalty there, too. I mean, sooner or later, when all you do is you're constantly looking to try to get a call from a ref, like, it, it's not going to work out every time. The part that bothers me is he's saying – they're supposed to warn us. So let me make sure I understand this correctly. The game is on the line. The guy is lined up one yard off the line of scrimmage. Somebody, they said it best. Let me just put it this way. Someone in my mention said it best, said, oh, if that's the case and they're supposed to warn you, why not just let the player go down? Why don't just go down and stand in the end zone? And then maybe they'll warn you that you were off sides. <laughs> it's like, 
this makes no sense. What it just reeks of crybaby is what it reeks of. And the fact that yeah. he brings up that call from last week, it's like that 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 significant other that's upset about something that happened, you know, whatever years ago, and they just keep bringing it up, bringing it up, bring. It's like, bro, get over it, get yeah. over it. You're too know. used to, to being kept in games by officials. I mean, that doesn't that this type of attitude does not help quell the the rumors or the 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 attitude among a lot of fans that Kansas City gets bailed out by the officials a lot. And bailed out might not even be the right term. How about being kept in ball games? Yeah. You know, I, I've seen it with my own eyes plenty of times, questionable calls that extend a drive. And, uh, you know, give Kansas City a new set of downs. And, yeah, to Mahomes' credit, he's a hell of a football player. And if you mm-hmm. give that guy a new set of downs, he's probably going to move the football and they're probably going to put points on the board. Um, and we didn't see that against Buffalo. And I, I I, just clearly think – I think he was shocked they were at Arrowhead, you know. He's thinking, I'm at home. It's mm-hmm. – <laughs> how do we not get the – it's like – and I think he just let the frustration, you know, boil over. And I'm not going to – you know, we're not going to get – I don't know. I'm not going to drag them too hard. I, I get it. I, I We've all been in that situation. You know, emotions are high. You lose your cool a little bit. Um, right. You know, to his credit, he went to the sidelines and had his tantrum. He didn't, you know, start chucking his helmet on the field. And it was it was funny, though. He walked all the way. He walked past a number of officials, walked all the way to his bench and then started getting real tough. Then it was get hold behind me back, his hold team back bro. Hold me back. Hold yeah. me hold back. Hold, Okay, Mahomie, listen, we're not we're not afraid of you, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it's a it's a tough look because essentially what he's saying is like to to what do you say to rob it of greatness? You know, it's like, bro, it was a penalty. Like you just because someone makes a great play doesn't mean you should not throw the flag. And right. let's be honest about the MVS call. And that's the reason we're talking about it, gang, because he brings Green Bay's game right back into it. Like, well, look, we got cheated last week, too. The hell you did. You got kicked. You got your teeth kicked in the entire game. And then at the very end, there was a couple controversial calls. You could tell that the MVS no call was because they didn't throw the flag or because they penalized Green Bay on the personal foul on the sideline. That was a makeup call. Makeup calls happen. Do I like them? No. I wish they would get 100% of the calls right. But to just conveniently leave that out the argument, out of the comment, and then mention the other one, right. it cracks me up. It, it just it, it hurts. And, of course, no, none of the Kansas City DBs were early on any plays in that game and didn't get called, right? Like, don't, don't act like it didn't go both ways because it did. Right. There were a couple PIs that could have been called on Kansas City that weren't. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There is every game. And that's why yep. you got to kind of, you got to, you, you know, you've got to overcome that stuff. You do. And, Carly and, Ray and I will always respect an officiating crew that will err on the side of, you know what, let's not throw the flag. Right. As absolutely. opposed to let's throw it and have a 45 minute conversation about it and review it and stop play and all of, you know, I like that. Yeah. You know, if, if there's any doubt, don't throw it. You know, right. you should be confident when you're throwing that flag. You should be like, oh, that's a penalty. Like, that's blatantly obvious. Yeah. If you got to think like, oh, I'm not. Yeah, maybe you should just keep yeah. that flag in your in your belt loop or wherever, whatever they stick, you know, in your pocket. Just hang the on wor- to it. But Yeah. The worst for me, too, is when they huddle up. Like, is that a flag? I don't know. Let's talk about it. what What do you if then you, why'd you throw it? About it? Yeah, if you have to talk about it, then it wasn't a flag. <laughs> if I'm a crew chief, I'm telling my guys, hey, you better be able to explain every every have confidence in every flag you throw we shouldn't have to huddle up 
And if we are, it's because you're coming over to tell me, hey, you know, holding 56, blah, blah, blah. You should know it shouldn't it shouldn't it shouldn't be a debate. And I think the the biggest problem with the officiating is is the the fact that everyone knows that it all depends on the crew that you get and that Mm -hmm. there is no there is absolutely no consistency across the league when it comes to um, officiating other than when they gang up on certain things and they want to they want to set a tone and enforce things a certain way. Um, You know, if they do get rid of the tush push, you watch that'll be pretty consistent across the league officials calling that. Um, But yeah, I just, I think that's the big thing is the, the consistency makes it tough. A good officiating crew is going to be irrelevant in a football game. Yeah, They're not, they're not even going to be a factor. They're just going to do their job and that's it. You know, I wish we saw more of that. No doubt. Carly Ray in the chat said, Oh man, I, I wish I wasn't working. I could have called in for this. Um, Dakota in the chat says, uh, that doesn't sound like the guy from State Farm commercials. Now, he sounded a little, little raspier in that one for sure. Carly Ray says, uh, I'd like to look back and see if Tony was consistently lined up offsides throughout the game. He may or may not have been, Carly. Um, that's the issue I have, too. It's like Dan Orlovsky came out, and, and I respect Dan Orlovsky. He's played quarterback in the National Football League. But he come out and was like, they're supposed to warn him. Dan, how are they going to warn him, bro? Like, He's a yard off the – hey, I don't what, understand in that situation, that. what do you do? You let the play play, and then you go to him and go, hey, guys, by the way, you cheated. Don't do that again. That's not how it works. What is, where does this logic come from that you're supposed to get a warning when you commit a penalty before it's See, And it's just the thing with that specific penalty. They say it's in the rule book. Someone screenshot it. It blew my mind. I'm like, y'all need to get that out of the rule book then. The thought well, there's of, a lot of crap in that rule book that needs to go. That, I mean, there's, there's, there's fine in, in there that the league can, can give teams points. If right. they want to, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of craziness in the rule book, but you're right. I just a blatant like that's what I just talked about. That would be an example like, holy crap, the side judge is looking. Wow, that guy's lined up in the neutral zone. Right. Like, that was obvious. Is there any debate that that Kadarius Tony was lined up on the ball? I mean, come on. Right. It's right there. Yep. The Chiefs call wasn't even a question, says Doug. Uh, no one's talking about the Falcons game. Um not sure what happened in the Falcons game, but it's it's untelling. I mean, it's probably another gaff there. Uh, dead hey, fish maybe the side judge is supposed to run out on the field and tell Tony to to take a step back. Right? Is that is that what he's supposed to do instead of calling a penalty? Hey, by the way, <laughs> you're lined up in the neutral zone. Right. Here's your warning. Yeah. Carly Ray in the chat said, "I was listening to the Ravens game on the radio and heard that Lamar kicked the ball out of the end zone, giving the other team a safety. I was so confused. Why did he kick it out rather than throwing?" Um. If the ball's on the ground, if it's a fumble, Carly, like in that situation, um, and maybe you didn't you didn't take into consideration it was a fumble. You just thought he had the ball and he punted it out of bounds. That wouldn't make sense. I agree. But if the ball gets bobbled or fumbled in the end zone, typically what they'll do is just kick it out of the back of the end zone because you'd rather get a safety than the defense recover for a touchdown. That's that's most of the time that's what that is. Um, I imagine that's what happened in that situation, although I didn't see that specific play in the Ravens game. There were so many good games on, man. I was bouncing back and forth. The Lions-Bears game was a fun one to watch, believe it or not. It really was. Um, So, uh, yeah. Uh, Let's see here. What else we got? Actually, yeah, let's let's just go back to the top of the chat so we don't get too confused here, and then we'll, we'll get caught up here. Dakota said, I hate that we won't have Christian this game, but I'm excited to see Stokes hopefully play a full game. Yeah, it's going to suck without Christian Watson, but you know what, Tim, I'm going to weave this in right now. Since he brought up Christian Watson, why don't we do this? We'll get back to the chat here in a second too. 
I've got all the PFF grades pulled up. Now we're going to bounce around a little bit since you brought up Christian Watson, Dakota. Um, listen, I'm, I'm, I want to see Christian out there too. And like Carly Ray said in the chat here, you know, things really open up when Christian's on the field. There's no two ways about it. Like him being able to stretch the field. And now I think you'll see teams start to bracket him a little bit more when he is healthy because you're seeing he's actually bringing those jump balls down now. Um, right. Which they're in a thrown in a better place to be honest. But, um, you know, you'll probably get a little bit more bracket coverage with him when he is healthy. But if you look at the PFF grades here, guys, this is the Packers wide receiver room right now. Dakota, I'm going to drop your chat down. Appreciate you hanging out in here with us, bub. Um, so the leading receiver, according to PFF per grade, is actually Dontavian Wicks at 73.8. Romeo Dobbs is second at 70.9. And Jaden Reed is third at 70.2. Then you got Christian Watson at 69.1. Now, look, there's not a great – difference there between those grades, right? There really isn't. What it tells you is all of these receivers are pretty much playing on about the same level. So we're going to miss Christian Watson, you know, obviously stretching the field and everything. He had an absolutely awesome game there, um, you know, the last couple games uh, that he was healthy here. But when you look at the wide receiver room, it, there's very few situations where you're going to have four receivers on the field at one time. So your three best receivers, according to PFF, in 2023 are going to be on the field. So I say that not to disagree with you. I completely agree with you. It's a whole different team when Christian Watson's on the field. But, you know, these guys are have, have played just as well as Christian has. So I don't think we'll take a huge step back without Christian. Let's let him get healthy. The thing that's going to hurt is that rotational aspect of the wide receiver room. You're going to see Malik Heath more now rather than – you know, in the yeah. past, it was, you know, Christian, Jaden, and Dobby, and then Wicks would come in. Now you're going to see Heath take on that role of Wicks, and Wicks will be starting in that 11 personnel now. And, hey, look, with with every, you know, with every adversity comes a uh, an opportunity, right, uh, of greater benefit. Then in this situation, what we get to do, Tim, is we get to see how Tay Wicks can step up as a true starter, man. You'll probably see him get – you know, go from 25 to 30 snaps to uh, to probably to 40 or 50 snaps would be my guess. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I got excited as soon as you said uh, Malik Heath. Malik Heath is a dog. Malik Heath is is that dude. And I, I'm excited to see him play a bigger role here. Clearly, he's going to get more snaps. And, yeah, I mean, we don't want to see Scoot on the bench. We want to see him on the field. Um, and it, it does. It stinks. You know, this hamstring issue, it's it stinks, but you know, unfortunately, the more you st stress something that you're trying to to heal up, the the more setbacks you're going to have. You know, and it's unfortunate, but we we talked about it. If you're going to miss a game, uh, this would be the game to miss. And uh, I mean, this could be a Tay Wicks, Malik Heath coming out party here. You know, this could really be a could be a great performance. Um, I'm just excited to see Malik Heath getting getting more reps. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Tay Wicks kind of you know, by default is going to move up here too. And uh, certainly I, I would assume we're going to see not only more reps, but more targets uh, for Tay Wicks um, and really Jaden Reed too in this one. So, uh, you know, I like our depth with the youth movement here at wide receiver and um, just excited to see how this team uh, team responds here tonight. Yeah, for sure. Omer in the chat says, uh, just hope Christian isn't out for an extended period of time. Those hamstring issues or a nightmare. Yeah, you know, it, typically when you have a hammy issue in season, Tim, it's going to carry over, bro. Like, it's just something that that kind of hangs around the entire year. I, I wish it weren't the case, but I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up your tailpipe saying, oh, no, it, it should heal up. Like, 
most of the time those type of things linger, especially when you keep trying to bring that player back over and over and over and not let it fully heal. Although with hammies, it feels like it's fully healed until it's not. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things for sure. Uh, let's see here. Dakota in the chat said, Wicks is definitely my guy, LOL. I love Tay Wicks. Again, the, I, I know I've said it over and over and over, but I'm going to continue to say it. When I heard Greg Cosell, someone, I, I, you know, I put Greg Cosell's tape breakdown above everyone else's, including former players, coaches, GMs, everyone. Greg Cosell has been breaking down tape since the 70s, and uh, he's been with NFL Films the entire time. As you guys know, he's the nephew of the the great Howard Cosell that did Monday Night Football and all the great interviews with Muhammad Ali and just a legend. Like, if you talk about a polarizing figure, man, if you go go ask your if you've got a a grandparent who is a sports fan, a football fan, say, do you remember Howard Cosell? He'll, they'll perk up and go, oh, I remember. It'll either be, let me tell you, Howard's the best to ever do it, or it'll be, I can't stand that guy. Nothing in between. <laughs> and I love he, it. But. Howard Cosell. He yeah. had one of those voices, man. Legendary voice. You always yeah. knew it was him. For sure. we, need a, we need a sound drop of him. We need to yeah. add that in for sure. Um, yeah, but uh, so what he said, though, Dakota, was Tay Wicks, this kid, he gets it. That's what he said. And he was talking about the little nuances of route running. And uh, that's definitely what he is, uh, what he's best at. There's no no doubt about it. Doug in the chat. So those ratings are incredible for such a young wide receiver group. I completely agree. Um, the, just the consistency across the board is the big thing. Omer says Wicks is the highest rated route runner out of them all, according to PFF. You see it on tape, too. Again, guys, I'm still looking for something that that PFF says that doesn't show up on tape. I think their analysis is spot on, man. Um, again, I always like to use the the disclaimer that look, it's not everything. It's not the you know the the end all of, amongst all analytics. But man, when I turn on the tape and I look at the PFF grade, it, it is very, very, very few times that I go, I disagree with that. Almost always, I go, that seems pretty fair. That seems pretty spot on. So I just think it's great that we got a tool like that, whether you like it or not. It's just another, uh, like I said, another resource for sure. Um, Marge, Margin Cron in the chat says, red zone wide receiver alerts, Malik Heath touchdown watch. I don't know, guys. Might want to might want to pop him into your fantasy lineup if you got some injuries at wide receiver, you know. Might be able to pull that one off. I, I think he's going to eat in this game. And I, I'm really hoping we see Tay Wicks run some uh, some nine routes, you know. Let's see him stretch. We could probably stretch the field with Tay Wicks uh, with uh, Scoop being out of the mix tonight. And uh, which means, you know, I don't know what that means. Do we see Malik Heath in the slot? Do we see, you know, Malik Heath is that, uh, you know, third and five guy running running slants and crossers and, you know, making those big boy grown man contested catches. Um, this could be a lot of fun. And, oh yeah, and don't forget about the other, you know, guy who doesn't play like a rookie in uh, Jaden Reed, you know. So there's, there's weapons. This will be yeah. a fun game to watch tonight, boys. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Yep, for sure. I've got people in here already asking, what do y'all think about the Jire Alexander slander? So <laughs> I'm trying to stay clear. We watched yesterday's show. <laughs> yeah, yesterday <laughs> we covered it extensively. And, and hey, look, normally I would comment on it if you bring it up in the chat. That's kind of what Good Morning Lambo we want it to be. But uh, we did. We hit on it pretty heavy yesterday. And uh, um, to give you just kind of the, the quick recap, uh, unless we know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's telling the truth. And, and it is he's hurt and he can't play, you know. That's the way I see it. I, I definitely don't want to sit here and pretend like some of the other the podcasters that, that think they're mind readers. That's not what we want to do here. Jeff in the chat says, Wix is going to end up the best of the of that group. Uh, he gets open consistently. Completely agree, bub. Um, Ethan in the chat said, thoughts on the Alexander slander. There it is. It's crazy that we trash our players because they're injuries. Packers fans need to be better. That's the thing, too. I will just say that, Ethan. Um, I forgot I marked your tweet or your your message there. I wouldn't have put it up. Um, uh, that's the thing. Like, we've got kind of a bad track record. People talked absolute crap about David Bakhtiari when he got hurt again. And it's like, there's no one that wants to be on the field more than Bach. Okay, dude, look at what he's put his knee through. He's been through like five surgeries now or something crazy. You know? Yeah. It's Let's so, be honest. He'd be retired if he, if it, you know, if he didn't want to play football. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like he, he, he's made plenty of money. He could sell off into the sunset. So um, I understand what you're saying, Ethan. I do, but I'm also, I understand the whole side of like, I, I want everyone to speak what's on their mind. As long as it's not hurting someone else, I'm all about free speech. But if you're asking me as a fan or if I was a coach or an executive or whatever, would you rather Jair make these comments or not make them? I would rather him not make them if I'm being hundred percent honest. But at the same time, it's not like he went out there and and did just something crazy, you know. So I know it's it's not it's not a a response or an opinion that's going to get a lot of interaction, you know, like some of the other shows where they're trying to kind of spark that type of shock jock reaction. Uh, I know it's a boring response, a boring uh, uh, you know opinion, but that's kind of how I see it, man. People should should be free to express themselves as long as it's not hurting their team or their teammates. Now, as far as calling a shot and saying we're going to win out, we're going to win out and you're not on the field, I think it's kind of a bad look. But I don't like that. I don't like that statement if you are on the field exactly. and you are playing. Right. I don't like I don't you know. And that's that that one definitely rubbed me the wrong way, for sure. And, you know, and Jazz a vet, you know, your veteran status now, man, you got to you know, but like I said yesterday, though, leadership comes in different forms, too. So, you know, I, I got to believe that Jaws heart is in the right place with with a lot of this. And, you know, he's just got his own way about him. You know, we, we, we really love it when he's, you know, playing, playing successfully out there. It's just a little harder to stomach when you're when you're not on the field, you know? Yeah, definitely. 
For sure. All right, let's see here. Omer in the chat said, uh, Reed should play a big part after a pretty quiet game last week. Love just needs to keep spreading it around to all of them. That's what makes our offense so tough to to defend the run. Uh, The run should work tonight. Um, Yeah, you know, it it just depends on what they do. You know, even the worst defenses, Omer, uh, can stop the run if you you commit to playing, you know, one gap and – and actually loading the box like extremely heavy if your guys can tackle, right? Um, I haven't looked at their tackle grade, but they're just a bad defense all the way around. The thing that kind of deters me from from saying we should just run the ball and forget about everything else is from a game planning standpoint, when you look, they play middle field close, single high safety a large majority of the time. That means when you're single high safety, you've got an extra man in the box. you got an extra man in the run fit. So if they're playing single high safety, and they're playing off coverage, you may see a lot of smokes, right? What I mean by smoke, if they're playing seven yards off the receiver, the ball is snapped, that receiver is just going to take a step back and run a smoke route, catch it. Some people call it screen. It, it amazes me how screen gets thrown around so much with professional media members because a screen is when you throw a pass with blockers out in front, right? Yep. It's just like if it's a short pass, if we're now referring it to it as a screen, and it makes me want to pull my hair out. But a smoke route, if they're playing soft on the edges, single high safety, you may see a few of those smokes. You may see in conjunction some wide receiver screens, some smoke screens where you've got like a two-by-two set and throw a quick smoke with a lead blocker because what Jordan will do, and there's an RPO aspect of that too, if he's reading the slot corner, if the slot corner starts cheating inside, you catch him out of position where you can get a hat on a hat plus one on the outside, then you can fire that RPO out there. If the corner stays at home, you might just stick with the inside zone run. Uh, that type of approach. But, yeah, um, I think Reed will get the ball more. I think he'll be your jet sweep guy again. Um, and uh, I think there, there's probably going to be some shots down the sideline. Now, Omer, do I want him to establish a running game? Absolutely. I would love for us to win the game running the ball 60 times and throwing it three. That would be excellent yep. for me. <laughs> you know, But if they commit to stopping the run and Dexter Lawrence is in the lineup, I kind of like our – that's the other thing, too. What's our offensive line good at? They're good at pass blocking, right? So yep. – if you just force yourself to try to run the ball when they got a hog molly in the middle like Dexter Lawrence, and that's the weak spot of your offensive line, and they're putting an extra body in the box, and the best shots will be on the boundary deep, you know, it's just a whole lot of negatives trending in the in the direction of you're kind of playing into what they want you to do. Uh, but again, I definitely don't want us to go out there and play conservative, man. They, Treat this like you've treated the last three games. Forget that they're one of the worst teams in the league. You got to come out with your hair on fire because this could be a trap game, um, no doubt. Yep. So, and you're right about the the smoke smoke uh, route or the smoke pass. Mm-hmm. We've seen success with that in the past with, you know, both Tay Adams and and Randall Cobb, um, particularly on third and short situations. When you when you when you do see that, you see a loaded box. You see a defense anticipating something up the middle or inside zone or something. And nope, you just fire that ball out and it, you know, you need three yards. It's going to get you four. That's, that's the type of uh, type of play. So Matt LaFleur will be in his bag with that. I, for sure. And uh, I agree, Clayton, if they're playing middle field closed, you know, I'm looking for, for Rome out there on that boundary, Mr. Mr. Contested catch, you know? Yeah. Um, so it'll be yeah. fun to see him, what they do against this Giants D and, you know, and, What's his name? Um, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a he's kind of a wild card man. That's a guy you've got to. He can get hot. Yeah, he can get hot, and uh, you know, but he's also one of those guys too. Kind of, 
I believe in my heart of hearts that just like Keyshawn got uh, got um, Isaiah Pacheco booted from a game, I think Thibodeau is one of those dudes too that if you get in his head, uh, he he might make some foolish mistakes out there, get himself in trouble. So I hope they I hope they don't um, fear him. I hope they respect him as an opponent and go right at him. I think that's a guy you want to challenge and make him earn it. But uh, certainly someone you got to account for on that kind of joke of a defense. Um, he's he's someone you got to watch out for because he will blow up a play. We've Definitely. seen it. He plays emotional. There's no two ways about that. Doug yeah. in the chat says, uh, "Feed Malik for all the great blocking it does." Yeah, you gotta you gotta. Uh, I don't know. You've got to uh, reward him, right? He's a heck of a blocker. He's fun to watch block. We got some breaking news, Tim. breaking news video too by the way you guys it looks like brenton indiana says jones is out tonight per tom pelissero so aaron jones will miss tonight so you're going to be down 33 i like the call if there's any any little bit of hesitation don't play him you know aj's been carrying the load pretty well uh we'll see if Kenyon drake you guys keep me informed to see if uh if Kenyon drake is going to be uh elevated that should have happened last night if it was going to happen, right, Tim? Am I thinking right? Does it need to happen 24 hours before? Uh, to active roster? Yeah, I believe I so. so. Right, yeah. Right, and then you yeah. can be activated up to like a 90 minutes before the game or whatever. Um, yeah. Or, excuse me, we're elevated, then mm-hmm. activated. Let's get right. I think I think they have to yeah. be elevated 24 hours before. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Maybe you guys know if you do. Uh, let us know there for sure. But, um, yeah. That's going to be interesting, though. Again, AJ's been playing great here lately, though. So he is, and Kenyon Drake might be the perfect little complement to that. You know, Kenyon Drake was a guy that you know was was a baller early in his career. You know, he's uh, he's been around the block a few times and uh, got experience. And if you're looking at him to just kind of lighten the load on on AJ Dillon here, we might see him contribute. You know, yeah. Derek K in the chat, pull up that diesel, baby. <laughs> Diesel's gone, man. We we were yeah, going we're, live, and me and Tim gone. looked at each other and like, man, I'm already out of coffee. We've been here talking for ten minutes. So it is I swear, I'm going to get a coffee pot down here, right by the right by my desk, Clayton. <laughs> I don't have to run upstairs to refill all that diesel. That's how you do it, man. That is how you do it. Let's see here. Dead fish in the chat said Bo Melton went to Rutgers. Maybe he will step up for the hometown crowd. You know, I I would normally just go, eh, whatever. That's a real thing. Oh, You've yeah. seen it in the past. Who was it last year? Didn't somebody abs- – was it last year or the year before a running back for us just went absolutely off in a situation where it was like the the anniversary to the day that his father passed away? Wasn't that last year? Am I thinking right? Like those type of little backstories, I think the coaching staff kind of keeps their finger on the pulse there. They're not going to play someone that just got signed off the street, obviously, but someone like Bo Melton been around for a while, that would be cool to see him activate and him come in there and get, you know, three or four catches and actually play a role in the game. That would be cool. Um, I think that's a real thing, though. Some people would probably roll their eyes at that comment, but um, I, I used to, and I think it is something that's real now. Dakota in the chat says, I'd love to see Heath rip a ball out of the air for a touchdown. Me too. Man, he's a he's a dog. And, and, guys, keep in mind that the reason that Heath dropped in the draft or whatever and wasn't taken higher, he was a highly recruited player in college. It's just he had some off-the-field issues. And it sounds like if you guys remember in training camp, Matt LaFleur was all over him at training camp. I mean – I couldn't tell you how many times people reported, uh, you know, the beat reporters report Matt LaFleur screaming at the top of his lungs at Malik Keith. 
And I think he sees the potential and knows you got to coach this guy hard and keep him in line, right? He obviously made some mistakes in the past. And uh, I love the fact that the Packers are a team that will give people second chances, you know. Um, oh, third yeah. chances, they don't. They never give a third chance, it don't feel like, but they definitely give second chances, and I respect that about them. Malik Heath is the definition of just raw talent. Yeah. You know, he's just raw raw talent. It's got to be molded. And I think you've already seen that, right? Wouldn't we agree he's progressed? You know, look at where he was in training camp versus, you know, the contributions he's made since then and, you know, not being a liability, uh, no off-the-field crap, you know. That's one, one thing I love about uh, – about Green Bay, man, is that's usually that kind of stuff is always a minimum up here. You know, these young guys and uh, getting into trouble off the field, you know, yeah. go home and play farming simulator like A.J. Dillon, man. That's man, how you who, do who it. Does, who does? It? John Deere Green on a hot summer night. He rode Billy Bob Charlene. <laughs> didn't expect the conversation to steer toward the running backs, but here we are. So, Dakota, I'm going to come back to your Andy Reid comment here in a second, and, and Creed will get to your defensive comment too. Um, let's see here. Omer in the chat says, Matt talked about running back uh, Drake possibly playing tonight. Remember, A.J. Dillon fought in a growing injury uh, this week, uh, so Taylor and Drake may see a bigger row. Absolutely. Um, Carly Ray pointed out that that was Emmanuel Wilson in the preseason, she thought. that I think that's right. So maybe it was this this preseason here. I just remember there being some kind of story there where he got a little bit bigger workload and it was a knock that meant something to him. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, ben Doe says, uh, big mistake if Kenyon is not active. And uh, then, of course, uh, Derek Kay goes back and says, Heath and Wicks both with a touchdown today. Let's talk about the running backs for a second, Tim, since they kind of brung it up here. Um this is kind of steering in the direction that we wanted to. So when you look at our running back grades from this year, Emmanuel Wilson, obviously a very, very small sample size. He got hurt. He's the highest graded offensive running back there, uh, 76.4. And then, of course, A.J. Dillon, if you removed or if you if you applied, I should say, some kind of minimum requirement as far as touches or carries, A.J. Dillon would be leading the pack at 74.2. He's the 18th highest graded running back, according to PFF in the entire NFL. Aaron Jones even went on the field, and I think we would all agree he's not been healthy all year, right? He's been playing banged up pretty much all year with the exception of the Chicago Bears game. He's actually grading out as the 51st of 59 running backs in the NFL at a 59.4. So if you're going to continue to get uh, that type of that type of quality play there in the 50s because he's so banged up, it just makes sense to stick with A.J. Dillon. Of course, Patrick Taylor, 55.2, not being great. Kenyon Drake, guys, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I'm excited to see what he could do in the passing game. He used to be a great player, but the last – this isn't just this year, 44.4. The last couple years, he has been booty cheeks. So let's not – let's please don't get this uh, – you know, this – you can have hope. I'm not saying that, but just don't get a false expectation that this is Kenyon Drake of three or four years ago, right? He has definitely not played good football here of lately. But it's obvious when they bring in a player like this, typically the reason they bring them in, it's real simple. It's because they had a very high draft grade on them and they keep all those people in a database. They've also got a scouting team that scouts every player throughout the season. So you keep track of grades, your own personal grades on these players throughout the season. We kind of use PFF as our makeshift staff for that, right? So their grade would be much different. They may have an extremely high grade on Kenyon Drake, and we may see him come in and play a role. But just wanted to point out that's how the running back room looks as far as PFF this year. Tim, what do you think about those numbers there before we move on? I think with uh, Kenyon Drake – 
you know, everything you just said is true. Like, you know, he hasn't been top tier stellar as a running back in a, in quite a while, but there's a part of me that also thinks sometimes a change of scenery late in your career can, can, you know, light a fire under a guy or reignite a, a guy. I mean, think about the situation he's walking into here. You know, you got this team full of young talent on the rise right now, making a playoff push. I mean, I, I, I would agree. Keep the, keep the bar low. Don't, you know, keep your expectations tempered, but I'm not going to be surprised if we, if we saw some really good performances out of him here, um, especially being, you know, the fact that we need him. So right. we'll see. Um, I believe he's wearing 32, number 32, I think. Mm-hmm. So watch for 32 out there. Thank you. All right, let's go back to the uh, the Chiefs call there. That's where the chat's steering, so we'll hit on that again. Dakota says, according to Rappaport, Andy Reid and Mahomes' claims against the refs will be reviewed. This should be fun to keep track of. When you go on record, typically they'll get fined if they bash the refs openly. And and I know there's some chatter in here we're going to get to, too. Uh, actually, it's Carly Ray that brought it up. I think it's a great topic. Um, you, you notice Matt LaFleur kind of, when he's asked about it, he says, yeah, I'm not going to comment on that because he knows he can get fined, right? Um, it's important to remove any any kind of doubt the fan bases may have that there's any kind of quote-unquote fix-in. That's the thing that they take very serious. They don't take it serious enough to pay the refs, and uh, that's kind of what Carly hits on here in a second. As a matter of fact, we'll just get to it right now. Um, and, again, Creep, we're going to hit on defense in a second, so I'll get to your comment, buddy. I apologize. Carly says, if the league uh, wants people to not question the refs' integrity, they may – they need to make them full-time and create a culture of excellent officiating. Biggest ways to amplify a message is to try to silence it. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and like y'all went on to say here, I think I'll see who it was here in the chat. Um, someone actually mentioned there's plenty of money too. Yeah, right here. Um, Doug says NFL needs full-time officials and all grass fields. Completely agree with that. Completely agree. And then Omer said, you're right, Carly. And anyone says this – this team can't afford full-time officials team being the league as well is a fool. This league makes more cash than any other league. It's that's the part that I don't understand, Tim. You could put this to bed tomorrow and just show, Hey, look, we're proving we're doing the best we can. There's always going to be the human, human element, the mistakes, right? That humans are going to make as an officiating crew. Nobody's denying that. I think NFL fans are pretty lenient when it comes to that aspect of the conversation, but to just sit here and just openly say, no, these guys are going to continue to be part-time employees because we don't want to pay them. You kind of get what you deserve, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, on the the other end of the spectrum, too, with officiating is is doesn't help as a league when you change your rules every year. Um, you still don't know. You still can't tell us what a catch is. Um, ter- terms like football move are thrown around a lot. We don't, we still don't know what, what that means. That's just something they threw in there, football move. And then we sit here and watch replay and debate what a football move is. Um, I would assume it's any movement you do on a football field, but you know, th- there's a lot left to interpretation here with the rules, which can trickle down to officiating, you know? Um, yeah, but they got to get their act together. But Carly Ray is absolutely right, man. You know, if you sitting there trying to silence dissent is, it's just going to make it louder. It really is. And, and I, I get where the lead's coming from is you don't want coaches and, and players bashing your officials, you know, publicly like that, but you see it, you got to say it. Right. But I, I don't know. I, I would, I would agree with the sentiment that maybe you just don't give people stuff to complain about when you fix the issue with the officiating. 
Right. I mean, we saw it. We don't have to talk about the fail Mary. We, we already saw that debacle with, you know, the league's feeble so attempt bad. at replacement refs and, you know, all of that nonsense that that cost us dearly. You know, yeah. I heard people I, I'll never forget that. They're like, oh, it's the week one. <laughs> yeah, week one. Well, wh- what happened to us that year? That that game cost us dearly that, yeah. in that season. So. Right. Yeah, it's rough, man. It's rough to look back on that stuff. It just doesn't make sense when you get all that cash flow. Number one Packer fan says the Bears still suck. Oh, really? The what? What do you say? The Bears still suck. He said, but they beat the Lions. LOL. The Vikings uh, suck, and they prove it by only scoring three points and benching their backup quarterback. Thank God we're a Packers fan. It's wild out there in them NFL North streets. There's no street, uh, no, uh, no doubt about it, man. It's, uh, man, it's ugly. Uh, you just never know. You never know what to expect with the NFL, Tim. Um, every single week, man, any given Sunday, anything can happen. That's the thing, too, man. That I told you guys the game that concerns me the most coming down the stretch. That last game of the season with the Bears, you get a division rival. I don't care how bad the team is. That's their Super Bowl, man. It's the last game they're going to play for the year given they're probably going to miss the playoffs. I think there's like a 2% chance they make the playoffs. So if that's the case, that's kind of – you're leaving it all on the field right there, man. That coaching staff, if they still are intact, you have an opportunity to end the season on a high note and show, hey, we're moving in the right direction. That may save a job. That's going to save players' jobs. That's their Super Bowl. So uh, I'm with you, man. It was was tough watching all that unfold and has been all year. But, man, any given Sunday, that's why we love the NFL. There's no doubt about that. Uh, let's switch over to the defense real quick. Creed says defense is built to stop the pass. Need to get an early lead like the last few games so the Giants' offense is forced to pass. Uh, let our rush uh, hit home, get home. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, you know, that pass rush is the strength of this Packers defense. There's no two ways about that. I'm excited to see them kind of eat when it comes to uh, playing the Giants and not because the Giants' pass blocking has been horrendous. I think they lead the league in sacks that they've given up. So why don't we do this, Tim? Why don't we kind of look at our defensive front? PFFYC, who's played well. As you see here, Kenny Clark leads the way at 67.9. These are interior defensive linemen, okay? These are the big boys up front, the hog mods. He is the 33rd highest graded player in the league. You guys know I've been as critical of Kenny as anyone. This is his overall defensive grade of 67.9. The reason it is so low is because of his run defense. He's been excellent at pass rushing. You can tell that's what this team is geared around. But we gotta, you got to tell the whole story. Nothing bothers me more than hearing people talk about Josh Myers being a great pass blocker, but not mention he's been booty cheeks against uh, you know run blocking. That's why you'll always hear me talk first and foremost with the overall grade, whether it's on defense or offense, because both sides, both both aspects of the game, both the run and the pass on offense and defense, it truly matters, right? We're not going to try to bend statistics, bend grades to fit our narrative because we've been on on the you know up here on the hill, ready to die on the hill for a specific player, coach, or or whoever. But Kenny Clark, sixty-seven point nine, thirty-third highest graded defensive lineman in the league. The pleasant surprise to me has been Carl Brooks. He's graded out as the forty-eighth best interior defensive line. To put that into perspective, a large majority of teams across the league they play nickel the majority of the time, right? All of them play nickel the majority of the time because they're matching 11 personnel, which is the majority of sets that offenses are in across the league. So with that being said, if you were to take two defensive linemen on every starting defense, seeing that it's a nickel defense that's on the field the majority of the time, 
you know, obviously 32 teams, 32 times two is 64. If you fall within that top 64, then you're considered quote unquote starting caliber according to PFF and overall defensive grades. So when you look at it from that perspective, Carl Brooks is a legit starting defensive lineman in the NFL. So is Kenny. He's just not, he's not played up to the level of that, you know, huge cap hit that we've taken on with that big contract we gave him, right? In the passing game, absolutely, he's worth every dime. But you'd like to see someone who's making that kind of cap uh, or, you know, that much cap is allocated to play a little bit better overall. Uh, next is Devontae Wyatt, you know, first-round pick last year. You guys know I was big on that pick. He's a great pass rusher, one of the better pass rushing defensive linemen in the league. Overall grade, though, 62.8. He's been very inconsistent, especially in the run game. 51st of 126. Still, though, Tim, falls within that starting caliber. Uh, Kobe Wooden, same thing, 61st, right, just inside that starting caliber, although he's at the bottom of the league as far as the top 60, uh, the top 64. Uh, he grades out at a 60.4. And then T.J. Slayton has dropped significantly since those first few weeks of the season. He's down to a 58.1, coming in 73rd, although we would all agree he's that nose tackle. He's the big guy you bring in in base, put him in the middle and say, here, just getting getting two gaps, getting people's way, and uh, let the backers make the play. The problem has been the backers haven't made the play this year. So that's your defensive front. Now let's go to the edge room. Rashawn Gary, man, what a great job extending him. We were screaming it all year long. As soon as we seen, yes, he's going to come back 100% from this uh, this knee injury and the way he battled back to get back from the injury just really shows a lot about his heart. I know someone in the chat said he's going to have a lot of people in the stands tonight. So uh, uh, I guess his family, uh, he's got a lot of family in the area of Jersey or, you know, somewhere in the Northeast that could travel and see that game. But Rashawn Gary is grading out 83.8, 14th highest of all edge defenders. Same thing applies, guys. You're going to have two edges on the field the majority of the time in your nickel defense, right? Uh, so, with those two edge defenders, he's coming in right there, borderline top 10 overall grade. If you looked in pass rush, I bet he's top three, Tim. He's probably right there at the top. Preston Smith, 44th of 110 at 71.10 or 71.2 PFF grade. Um, a legit starter, had a great bounce back year. We've talked about it. Mike Wall thinks this is, you know, Mike Wall is not a big PFF guy. He'll be the first to tell you. He believes Preston Smith has probably been the most valuable player on the defense, at least in the last couple of games. That's kind of what I've heard him talk about. So uh, with that being said, you've got two, two of the, the best edge rushers in the game, legit starters on edge. That's why you're stopping the pass so well, this bend but don't break and getting after the quarterback as much as they are. Now, when you approach it that way, you've got to sacrifice something. You're going to sacrifice in the run game. You could tell this defense is geared around, look, we're going to bend but not break. We're willing to give you the run. You're not going to hit explosive plays through the air on us. They shouldn't be hitting the explosive plays on the ground, but we're we're – not fitting the run, they're they're not playing the run fit properly. They being the players, and we're missing tackles like crazy. I, that's to me, that's not on scheme. It could be on coaching. We've talked about that. Uh, Kingsley and Ibarre comes in at sixty five point five, fifty seventh of one hundred and ten. Lucas Van Ness, the rookie, holding his own. Tim sixty point nine. Anytime a rookie finishes in the sixties, you go okay. That's that's a promising rookie year. We've seen Stokes do that. Of course, Stokes took a step back with the injury, hasn't been able to stay healthy since. But, again, LVN 74th, and I feel like he's starting to ramp it up now. Brenton Cox Jr. coming in at 58.2. We know he's uh, he's been inactive in, in several games this year, if not the majority of the games. But, Tim, I can bounce back and forth between defensive line and edge. What do you want to hit on there? And I'll go back to the chat. Man. Uh, let's talk about LVN, you know, the uh, our first-round pick here. I agree, 60.9. Um, we've seen him get more snaps as the season's progressed. 
um, bright future there for sure. And um, I like that, uh, you know, I like the, the the core we have there in the edge room with Rashawn Preston and then LVN. Inigbari is uh, a monster as well. Um, I just like to see him be a little more consistent, but it's tough when you're kind of plug and play as a player, you know, hard to build consistency when you're not really consistently out there. Um, but I think, you know, looking at the future, um, I think someone else mentioned this before too, that, you know, we could see a scenario where next year, you know, I, I fully expect Preston Smith to be around, you know, at least a, a, another season or two. And, you know, maybe we do see kind of a changing of the guard slowly where you're, you may see a gradual point in time where LVN becomes the starter over there. And then Preston goes into more of a supporting role, which I think of, you know, any veteran player could handle that with uh, grace and maturity. It would be uh, Preston Smith for sure. I don't see him crying about uh, not, not getting the, the snaps he used to. Um, he understands how this league works and why LVN was brought in here. Um, that is the the plan for the future at edge. So, at a certain point, you're going to have to pepper that guy in more. Um, so I, I feel real good about the edge room. And, uh, you know, Brenton Cox Jr. too is someone, you know, I think is going to grow. It's just, um, you know, like you said, you got you can't make the club in the tub and you, you've got to be active. Um, but I feel good about the edge room. I really do. And as far as the D-line goes, that's a work in progress that, uh, you know, we all have to be aware of. There's a lot of promise there going forward, including guys like Chris Slayton and Jonathan Ford, who are just, you know, they're learning. These guys are learning and uh, that that can take time. Um, I love TJ Slayton uh, on the nose. I think that's a guy that's going to continue to improve the more ball that he plays. And um, you know, there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, no doubt about it. In the chat here, O'Meara says six sacks tonight for Gary. You heard it first. Stop playing with him. Hey, I don't know about six, but I think he might get one or two. I just want everybody to stay healthy, play their role. Um, I, what I would like to see more than Gary getting six sacks, Omer, is there to be a heavy LVN rotation like we've kind of seen and LVN get a couple sacks and take that next step, right? That, to me, would be awesome. I would also like to see if they do decide to lean on the run, if it stays close early or, or even throughout the entire game. I'd love to see people like Devontae Wyatt, and Carl Brooks and Kenny Clark kind of improve their run D game. That was, that's yeah. something I would like to see. Happen. I mean, we talked about that, how the giants, you know, despite having Saquon and all this, they haven't really been running the ball that great. And my first self-deprecating reaction was, well, they haven't played this Packers run defense yet. <laughs> so <laughs> let's hope, let's hope that that's not what happens. You know, um, I yeah. think that would be great. You know, a chance for this uh, Packers D to show that we can, we can contain that run. Um, and you're right. Force them in passing situations. I think our, our secondary is uh, tuned up for this game and, you know, it'll be fun to see, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for sacks, but I like, I like uh, pick sixes and I like turnovers. I, that's my style. So uh, hopefully that's what happens. Be ball Hawks against that uh, giants offense. Definitely. If you guys would do me a favor real quick, hit that like button so other Packer fans can find this channel, find this content. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this uh, Monday morning game day. Can't wait for Monday night football tonight. I know Jennifer agrees with you, Omer, about the uh, the big Gary game, obviously the homecoming game. Omer also says, OK, maybe only four or five. I'm reaching. LOL. I'll take four or five. You kidding me? Let's get ready to wrap this thing up. Uh, we're approaching the hour mark here. Appreciate y'all hanging out with us. Like I said, um, let's kind of go back through just the random comments in the chat and then 
we'll uh, we'll end it. We'll get your final thoughts, Tim. Omer says, got to watch news for Drake and Stokes being activated for tonight for sure. If I see it, I'll pull the news in the pregame chat if it goes up on Twitter. Sounds good, buddy. And like Omer is talking about, we'll be back for a pregame show. Um, let's see, the game kicks off 720 Central. I'm Eastern, so I'm always trying to do the math in my head. Um uh, the game kicks off 7.20 Central time, so we're going to go live at 6 p.m. Central, roughly an hour and 20 minutes before the game. We'll chat a little bit, get you guys the actives, inactives, all that good information, the latest information, maybe a weather update. It's raining right now in New York, but I think they're actually calling for it to move out and be in the 30s by game time. If you guys aren't familiar with MetLife, it's a pretty cool setup, man. Obviously, it's it's in Jersey, but it's in the shadows of – of the big, big city there. You see the Freedom Tower in the background. Here's a cool shot from a game uh, uh, previously, and you can kind of see the skyline there across the uh, across the river. I'm trying to think of what. That's the Hudson, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, the Hudson. Mm-hmm. The Hudson's on the west bank of Manhattan, I think. And then you've got the East River, obviously, on the east side of Manhattan. So it's a pretty cool setting for sure. I'm excited to see some of the – the beat guys and stuff post pictures of the stadium as we get ready. But like I said, it's raining there this morning, supposed to clear out. So um, hopefully the, uh, the weather will be fine for tonight. And if it ain't one thing we learned, man, the cold weather there with Jordan uh, last week, Tim, he's, uh, he's got the hands to handle it, bro. He's got the hands to, to handle the ball and, uh, and be able to take care of it in, in that inclement weather. There's no doubt about that. Doug in the chat says, one of the game announcers said they can get fined for negative comments on officiating. I don't think he was joking. No, he wasn't. Uh, that's why you hear them always. It's so many times people go, I can't believe these announcers are just toting the company line. Bro, they have to. <laughs> that's, that's their paycheck. Like they, if they go, it's go into your job tomorrow. And when the boss says, hey, guys, here's what we're doing today, go, no, we're not doing that. See how that works out for you. Yeah. You know? Or even just going to work and start, you know, spitting your political opinions or whatever. Like you, you don't, you don't get to do that when you're on the job. You're, you're on the job. You're <laughs> doesn't work that way. You know, free speech uh, is free speech. Yeah. But yeah, when you're working, man, you're working. There are consequences involved in free speech. There's no two ways about that. Um, number one, Packer Finn said there's a reason Kenyon is a journeyman. I think that's a fair comment. If he was if he was just a, a lots-out player, he would have had more offers, right? There's, there's no doubt. Um, Karen in the chat says, I feel the Giants are a different team with Tommy. Talking about Tommy DeVito, my man. Who? So, she said, I feel the, the Giants uh, might take this. Uh, but good luck to the best team. Um, DeVito definitely provo- provides a spark, but much like Josh Dobbs, you remember three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Josh Dobbs was the darling yep. because nobody had much tape on him within that Minnesota offense. Now you're getting more tape. Now I'm not suggesting this is a slam dunk win. You guys know I've talked about this is the epitome of a trap game, but I guarantee you some of the things that he accomplished in those first, you know, one or two starts that really just kind of clicked, defenses have learned how to kind of take that away. And some people go, what do you mean by that? It may be a specific concept. It may be a strength of his game. He may throw the out route well, but not feel comfortable standing in the pocket to hammer the, the crosser over the middle, right? If that's the case, guess what the game plan will show? We're Okay, we're going to take away the out, right, and we're going to put pressure in his face on the crosser. Or we might overload one side on the out that he likes to open up and throw to or the flat he likes to open up and throw to. Let's put hands in the throwing lanes on that side and force him to – kind of play left-handed and go against what he's comfortable doing. Just little things like that. That's not a specific scouting report on on DeVito, okay? That's not what that is. I'm just saying that's how defense is kind of game plan against other quarterbacks. Once you get a little bit of tape, you know, I get a little bit of a, a game on tape, 
you know, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Go ahead, Tim. You got something, Bob? Oh, no. I was just going to say with a young quarterback like that, just kind of <clears> coming out here, we got to blitz the hell out of him, man. Oh, yeah. We got to just pressure this guy all day, right? Pressure picks, coverage, and, sacks. And here's right? the thing, though, Tim. Like, their offensive line's so bad, you might be able to do that with a four-man rush, bro. So imagine you're you're accomplishing the same thing, but playing with multiples in coverage, right? Playing right, playing right. shell coverage with a little bit of, you know, maybe maybe you're showing pre-snap shell and you're spinning to a cover three and get him to see a few ghosts out there. But you get Gary, if you can get Gary and Kenny Clark isolated in that four-eye wide nine that we talked about with Chris Jones, and then we seen it with Kenny and Gary last week. By four-eye, I mean that's a technique that the defensive line plays. If you're new on the show, um, just slow down for a second and try to explain it. If you line up at nose right over the center, that's zero tech. Every offensive line position is an even number, okay? So if you're a defensive tackle lineup over the nose, that's zero. If you're over the guards, that's a two. If you're over the tackles, that's a four. Everything in between are odd numbers unless you're playing just a shade like a an inside, uh, you know, like if you're just on the inside shoulder of the tackle, you wouldn't call that a three-tech. You would call that a four-eye. When you put a four-eye over the, the tackle like that and you've got a wide nine, a wide look like Gary and Preston play way out wide, what you're doing is you're forcing them to do either chip on that side with a tight end or a running back, or you've got a solo block for both of those guys. So you want to get your best defenders singled up. Now you can't do that as freely if they're running the ball down your throat. So it starts with stopping the run. Then you can get creative with some of those pass rushes, but yeah, I'm with you, Tim. Um, if you feel comfortable blitzing, do it. Maybe you play a little zero and say, you know what, Tommy, you're going to have to beat us. We're going to play zero man goose up top, nothing on the shelf. Right. And we're just going to, hit you right in the mouth. That might be a way to approach it too. We'll know a couple series in what the game plan is. That's what I love. That's why I love charting the first two series. It's because you can tell this is what the coaches were thinking. Sometimes you go, oh, boy, they got it wrong. And other times you go, this is magnificent, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the other team gets paid too. There's no way, no doubt about that. Derek in the chat says 65% of the ch- – 65% chance of not knowing what's going on. 65%. 65%. <laughs> but there it is. I know what you want. I know what you came for. Um, let's see here. Uh, Derek K says D-line's going to feast tonight. I completely agree. There's a good chance of that. And then Jennifer Wright said our rotation rocks. That's the key to this defense, and I know it ticks a lot of people off. You get a lot of people saying, why in the world is is Gary you know, not, not playing more and this and that, man? They absolutely love to rotate this defense yeah. in front, man. Especially, and I love know. seeing Rashawn moving moving sides more. You know, we're not seeing him consistently on one side as much. I feel like right. he's playing on the left and the right, uh, yes. moving him around a little bit more, which is which is cool. And I and I'm sure Rashawn likes that too. I mean, I don't. I think he'd take a snap at corner if they let him. He wouldn't care. He just wants to be out there. <laughs> and the whole purpose with that too is. As offensive linemen, I've heard Brian Bulaga talk a bit about this. I've heard David Bakhtiari talk about it in the past. As an offensive lineman, you get used to facing a pass rusher, right? And it's why you you see some of the best matchups are within the division. Like, you've seen Aiden Hutchinson absolutely dominated us early in the year, right? We come back and play on the second time. He couldn't sniff the quarterback because you pick up their tendencies, right? You know where they're going to line up, but also you know their moves. You know, one second they'll bull rush. They'll throw a straight arm under the chin, right? The next second they'll do a punch, dip, and rip, or they'll – punch you in the chest, dip outside, rip up, and you take the corner, the edge, right? You'll have a speed dip and rip, or they'll just do a little little shake up top, 
speed rush outside, dip, rip, get the corner. You'll have the hump move like nobody's done it like Reggie. With Reggie, it was literally, it was start outside, like shoot to their outside shoulder. And as soon as they go to pass set, you catch them in between steps and take your inside arm and just chuck them like a rag doll. There's a lot of different moves. And I say that because these offensive line, they get set and they face scary. They go, okay, bull rush me last time. I got to look for the speed dip and rip outside. Okay, you reset. All right, you got that down. You got this down, right? Okay, now he's setting you up. He may hit you with three straight bull rushes, then go to the speed dip and rip. Now you're in your own head. He gets the advantage, takes the corner. You spend the entire game setting that up or the entire quarter setting that up and understanding how they play. Then all of a sudden it's like, who's 91? Now you've got to learn his tendencies. Now Rashawn's working on the left tackle. Being able to work both sides is absolutely huge, Tim. You hit the nail on the head there, man. Um, and you're right about Reggie with that hump move, too. And it, so it, we all talk about it with great reverence because, you know, he, he's our dude. Um, really, he's the league's dude, one, one of the greatest ever to play defense in the NFL. But that hump move is not a strength move. Everyone, It looks like it's a brute force. I'm just stronger. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw Chris Carter into – into uh, the quarterback, you know, um, but really you hit it on the head yourself right there. That is a technical move. That is a, I'm going to set this lineman up to just fall on his keister because he's, he's, he's off balance or I've got him where I want him. That's a technical move. And, and it, there's not a lot of highlights of this, but I'm sure if we dug through enough tape, there's times that Reggie tried that move and it didn't work because he didn't right. get, he didn't get what he needed to happen to happen. Um, so it's it's deceiving, you know. We think of offensive, or excuse me, we think of defensive linemen and rushers as these, you know, it's all strength and speed and force. And it's like you cannot sleep on the technical aspect. It's really one of the reasons why our line struggled as much as it did is because they weren't doing these technical things the right way. And, and yeah. you, you know, it starts ground up, right? Your feet, then your hands. But yeah, Reggie was a master of that to just get that get that lineman to just do what what I want you to do. And as soon as you do it, as soon as you shift that weight to that side, you're going down because I'm just going to use that against you. So in my opinion, it's just as much a technical skill move as it is a brute brute force kind of move. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you guys would hit that like button for us, uh, help other Packer fans find this content, find this channel. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Karen in the chat said, we'll see who goes home crying to mama. Go giants, Italian fire. Never say never. We've met, we, a, we're, we're the ones in here saying, look, this could be a trap game, but I love that Giants fans hop in here. You'll notice I'll put Giants in the title when I tweet stuff out. I want them in here. I want other fan bases to feel welcome to come in here and talk ball. So love the fire there, Karen. Um, good luck to you and your team. Uh, we hope you get boat race, but I'm sure you hope we get boat race too. So it is what it is, but thanks for swinging through. I'm not reading that wrong, right? That's a Giants fan in here, right, Tim? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I love it. That's, that's, that's how we feel about our team, right? Absolutely. I'm, I'm here for it. Be passionate about, about your squad. That's a mutual respect right there, you know? Definitely. I love it. Definitely. Derek K in the chat said, McDuffie on the field, you can breathe deeply. He will stop the run. He's been excellent at stopping the run. Man, I, we're out of time. I'm going to do it anyway real quick. Uh, let's see. Carly Ray says we got to win the turnover differential. We absolutely do. Um, just because of what he just said, uh, who was it? Uh, was it? Yeah, Derek K. I'm going to pull this up real quick, and then we're out of here. Linebackers, this will surprise you guys. Look at the highest-graded linebacker this year, guys. Eric Wilson, 72.2. Devondre Campbell, 67.8. Quay Walker, 63.4. Christian Welch, 60.0. Isaiah McDuffie is actually a 58.0. Now, keep in mind, 
against the run, he's been better, right? You can see that on tape. If there's anything I've seen this year, Tim, where I go, I kind of disagree with this, PFF said, to me, Isaiah McDuffie has played great uh, this year when he's been on the field. Of course, they see something I didn't. I haven't watched every one of his snaps and graded it extensively, so they could be right and I could be wrong there. But Eric Wilson's another one, man. It's just nice to have some some of that depth there. I know he's played limited snaps, but if we if we get in our, find ourselves in a spot where we get in a pinch and Eric Wilson has to go out there, I feel good about him being on the field. Just wanted to mention that since uh, – the listener viewer uh, actually mentioned that just just a second ago. Karen said, "You're so sweet." Hey, now hey, we like I said, we appreciate you guys uh, being respectful coming in here, man. It's all about us following our best team. She said, "Thank you, guys. Wish you all the best." Yeah, good luck tonight. If you go into the game, be safe. If not, have a good time watching it from home. But we're gonna get out of here, Tim. Parting thoughts, bud. Uh, see you guys at six central tonight for the for the pregame. We should have the actives and actives uh, probably during the stream. Um, and also, uh, I don't know if you got the QR code, but make sure you guys, uh, check out Packernet, uh, podcast, you know, we're bit part of this network, proud to be a part of the network. Um, big shout out to Ryan Schlipp and, uh, you know, the Packernet team, uh, make sure you guys, uh, give them a follow on social media. If you're not doing that already, you use your scanner, phoner thingy device, scan that, that code up there in the corner take you right where you need to go for sure. And, uh, and of course hit that like button. If you can support what we're doing here. I've had many people ask me, I can't find your podcast. I've I've searched for Packer uh, for uh, Packers total access It's because it's under Packer net podcast. Cause we're a part of the Packer net podcast network. Like he said, if you grab your significant others uh, phone and scan, uh, or still your your kids' smart device, whatever, scan that uh, that QR code in the upper right. That'll send you directly to all the links on all your favorite platforms to find Packernet Podcast. Ryan Slips Packernet Podcast, Packernet After Dark is excellent content. Jake Shavink with the It's Always Draft Season Podcast is great. I know Jacob's been busy. He usually does the uh, Packernet Fantasy Podcast. Had a lot of stuff kind of going on this year, so uh, had to uh, back off it a little bit, but I'm sure he'll get that cranked back up sooner than later. So, yeah, appreciate you bringing that up, Tim, for sure. Proud to be a part of the uh, Packernet podcast family. So, um, all right, let's get out of here. Uh, Omer ends it with says, Clayton, only chalk talk as good as Mike Walls. Uh, I respectfully disagree if you're saying mine's better than Mike Walls. If you're saying it's on par, that's the greatest compliment I could ever receive. I love watching Mike break down tape, man. He's just no filter straight to the point. Just uh, get you all the information you need uh, definitely there. So. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back tonight, like I said, 6 Central, 7 Eastern, to give you guys the uh, the uh, Packers total access pregame show. We'll have the inactives. We'll continue to hit on the standings and playoff picture. I was going to hit on that today, but the chat absolutely dominated, um, controlling the conversation. That's what we wanted to see. Luckily, we had some information pulled up that just went hand-in-hand hand with those comments. So you guys, as always, you're uh, steering the ship and doing a great job doing it. So I uh, want to give a special shout-out. I believe somebody joined. I think it's already off. We had a new member join. I wanted to name drop them, but it's already gone. I can't find it on the list. So uh, for those of you who are YouTube members, um, you know, as of midnight last night, uh, we are entering you into a drawing to win an autographed Robert Brooks jersey. We're going to give away during the post game show tonight. So, yes, we did. Good morning, Lambo. We're going to be doing a pregame show an hour and a half before the game. Then we're going to be doing a post game show after the game. So make sure if uh, you guys are still up, uh, swing through, say hi in the uh, in the post game uh uh, video chat there. It's going to be a, a good time. Hopefully we're celebrating a dub, but again, can't overlook anybody in this uh, in this league, that's for sure. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go!